Good morning. So there's a interesting story. I forgot the name. I wanted to search up who the name of the person was. I forgot the name. But uh, it was, I think, a rabbi in Baltimore, or I forgot exactly, or Massachusetts somewhere, Boston, that he once, um, he was struggling with his position, wasn't sure what he wanted to do, and he was, he was a bit in a, in a limbo stage in his life. Some people call it the midlife crisis. <clears throat> and he um, was seeking advice, and he didn't know who to reach out to. He, he asked of several people, but at one point he decided to reach out to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But he decided to reach out anonymously. Anonymously? Yeah, he didn't want anyone to know he reached out. He didn't want the Rebbe to know who reached out. So he, um, so he reached out anonymously. And he, I think he called in. He called in, and then when he called in, he, um, it was a, guy, a person named Rabbi Chadakov, who was the Rebbe's personal secretary, um, and he um, would answer the phone. Now, everyone knows, whoever was in the circles knew, that the Rebbe had the same line in his office, and randomly, people didn't know, the Rebbe would pick up the line and go on in the middle of conversations, in the middle of calls, either in, interject or sometimes just overhear. And people would, could, could hear like the, rust, the, the, the noise on the other end and sometimes could tell that the Rebbe was listening. But it's, so what happened was, um, the, he calls in, Rabbi Chadak of Answers asks who was there, he didn't want to say his name, and he said he has a question, and he presented his question, his dilemma, and uh, how he's, he's, he's a bit lost. And the, the Rebbe, um, so, so Rabbi Chadak said to wait, and he called into the Rebbe and asked uh, the Rebbe what he thinks, what he has to say. And he turned back to the guy, he, called, he went back on the line and said to the guy, he said, um, the Rebbe said to tell you that there's this person in, wherever it was, Baltimore, Boston, and he said his exact name, Rabbi so-and-so, the person that was calling, and you should go and speak to him. So you can imagine he was shocked. The story is very famous. It's not like a, it's a, he spoke about it. He wrote about. It. I just forget the name. And he, um, so he, he was, he was shocked. He said, "Speak, I'm the guy speaking. I didn't give my name, but for the rabbi to say a specific name of me, the rabbi knows all the rabbis in Boston and Massachusetts. He wasn't one kabbat at all. And uh, um, so he says back on the phone that, uh, "Are you sure this is what the rabbi means? Um, I, I think he said, I, I think he said, I am that person." So he says, okay, Rabbi Chad says, okay, wait. So he goes, he asks back to the Rebbe, and he comes back on the phone. No, the Rebbe said, go and speak to this and this person. Um, and so, so that was it. That was the end of the conversation. And he says that was the best advice he's ever gotten from anyone. The advice was? To speak to himself. And he said he spent, he used to, from then on, whenever he had a dilemma, whenever he had an issue, he would spend time every day. In his room, he would close the door and close his office, not let anyone and speak to himself. Why, why are you so shocked? You're a therapist, right? Yeah. When I talk to a therapist, I talk to myself with another human in front of me. The second I humanize the therapist, I won't say a word. I just assume that it's a safe place to speak. That's uh, to myself. Yes. <laughs> but I'm also an acolyte of Esther Perel, your therapist, and she says the quality, the quality of our relationships in our life directly correlates with the quality. Of so we process through other people. Yes, we process no, no ourselves through other people. 
we see it's like a reflection. We need other people. We use them as a vehicle to understand ourselves. Yeah, and to comfort ourselves. So, get in touch with yourself is a prerequisite. Good little hunting over here. <laughs> okay, so the, yeah. Did he speak to himself anonymously? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he had a session with himself. Actually, this is the first time I accepted a drink from you during this year, so thank you. I am. We don't care. Why you make sense with him? Okay, care. this Why is. What did I think? Why? He's talking to himself. He's just using. <laughs> <laughs> so this is. Uh, it's a fascinating story and very powerful story, and as much of a miracle it may be, it's very insightful, um, and it's it's. But what I want to discuss today, building on that story, is how sometimes we don't even know ourselves. Sometimes we don't even know who we really are. And the line that I love, that I once heard, and I, and it's, I love using it, is that we, if only we would look at ourselves the same way God looks at us. If only we would see ourselves in the same light that God sees us. And we, sometimes you don't really get to the, to the bottom of who we are. And I want to go into this with, we were just started the month of Menachemov. And here's a fascinating thing. The names of the months, it says, Olum, Imam, Bevavah, I'm not going to go into the whole pilpul, there's a whole back and forth about the, the names of the months. But the month of Av, we add a word to it. There's two months of the year that we add a word to it. Cheshvan, we add the word Mar Cheshvan. It's bitter. There's no real uh, special days in the month. Then the next month is Av, where we add the word Menachem. We call it Menachem Av. Um, the is reason why we call it... it Rabbi? <laughs> Mashiach Menachem Shemayit it says. It's no, it's Menachem Mendel. Um, no, it goes way, be, way before the Rebbe's time. The first one is Mar... Mar Cheshven. What's the second one? Menachem Av. No, no, no. Mar... Mar Cheshven. The month is Cheshven. Oh, I mean, add the word Mar. Yeah. And Menachem Av. Menachem means to comfort. So it's obvious why we call, add the word Menachem, because we want, we want to be comforted in this month where we're mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Um, it's a time of mourning, and any mourner needs to be comforted. So that's why we add the word Menachem. But if we were to be very specific with the term, and in, Ju- and in general we know how precise everything in Judaism is, down to the letter, so the fact that we use the term Menachem of is very interesting, because if you translate Menachem of, what does it translate as? Comforting the Father. Who's the Father? God. It sounds like we're comforting God. It should be the other way around. God should be comforting us. Right? We're the ones that are sitting here in Galus. We're the ones that are sitting here in a time of, in a place of concealment, in a place where we don't have a temple, we don't have everything that uh, the Jewish people had in the times of the temple. We're, in a, we're lost in our godly experience. So we are the ones that, so to speak, need to be comforted. God changes with a temple without a temple. God is suffering by the, because there's no temple. I mean, what type of comfort? Does God need comfort? How could we even go and comfort God? What does this mean? It should be of Menachem. That the father is comforting the children, comforting us. We're comforting God. So what's, we can either go through this in a long discussion or short. Should we do the long version or the short version? <laughs> so, um, so to answer this... What? So to answer this, to answer what's going on here, um, the answer really is, who are you? Who are we really? Um, and to, to get into who we really are, I want to give two uh, uh, varts. One from the Mazitra Magad and one from the Baal Shem Tiv, And with both of them together, we'll be able to answer it. The Mazitra Magad has a very interesting vart. Um, where he says that there's a Mishnah in Parakei of Brachis. Where we say, 
that a person should not um, stand up to daven without, it literally translates as a heavy head. And a heavy head simply means a seriousness, a serious head. That you shouldn't be callous to righteous, the opposite. Lightheadedness, where you're very not focused, not serious, um, being very, not taking seriously what you're doing. A person shouldn't daven unless they're in a serious mode. They have to be respectful and be serious of davening to Hashem. That's the simple meaning of the Allah, and there's many things that come as a result of that. But the, the, um, the musician Magad says uh, a vart like this. That, that a person should not daven without feeling the heaviness of the head. What does it mean to feel the heaviness? Without feeling the heaviness of the head. Of the head. What, is it, Rosh, what does it mean to feel the heaviness of the head? Head referring to God. That a person should not daven unless they feel that whatever they're davening for is for God. The thing that they're missing and that they're lacking, which is why they're getting up to daven, is because God is lacking those things. There's something heavy in God, something that God is missing, that God is feeling a lack of something, and that is why I'm davening, to fill God's need. This is the Mezitra Magad's Vart, which is a very high expectation. I mean, simply what it means is that we're supposed to expect a person that when they daven for their own needs, when I'm sitting in Shemana Esrei, asking Hashem for, for, to provide for, for health, for, for, for everything, it's really asking for what God needs, not for what I need. Almost like saying that my needs are really God's needs. And the, the explanation, simple explanation behind it is very simple. We say that God is with a person in everything that they do, and every, with a Jew, and everything that we live doing in our lives, God, it's a mission, um, godly directed, divinely um, uh, catered for that person. So yes, everything is really God's need. God wants us here and puts but us here and needs us to be here. That has no so maybe that's probably part of it, and you shouldn't be asking for those things. With what God wants, then. <laughs> you shouldn't be asking for those things. That's, Sorry, that's simply what it means. You know what God wants. You have to hey, figure out, it. yeah, it's a good that's question. Like, that's like a woman, a wife. <laughs> no, no, it relates to yeah, yeah, 100%. Like in the sense Even if you pay attention, Hashem gives us a lot. A wife does a lot of things for her husband. Take for granted. Yeah. You know a lot of things for granted. You have to remind yourself what she wants. But precisely, it's a very high expectation. And it's a very high expectation. And the, the question is, what does it practically mean? What does it practically, and especially, this is what the Rebbe does all the time. The Rebbe takes all these vertlach and says that it's not just a beautiful vart. It's not just a nice vart that we play on words. It has to fit with a simple halacha. What's your question exactly? How is it practical for every one of us to say that every time I'm going to go up and daven, I will not, but telling the simple truth, do not get up and daven unless, unless, you feel, unless you feel that your needs that you're asking for are really God's needs. Oh, unless your needs. So you have to be serious in your needs. Okay. The Mezitra Magazvart is this. That you're, unless you feel that you're the heaviness of the Shekhinah, of Hashem, that what you're missing is what God's missing. So to answer this, I'm going to tell you a vart in the Balshemtiv, and we'll put it together, and we'll tie everything together. The Balshemtiv says a beautiful vart, and the Balshemtiv's vart is—I think I mentioned it in the past. I think it's based on the pasuk in Kapitel Kuf Aleph or Kubeis Tilim that Nafsham Bahem Tisatov, which you, you, that your soul is wrapped up or tied up in the in No, not that. Um, and the vart of the Balshemtiv is that. Everything that we physically desire and crave is really coming from our soul. Our soul craves physical and worldly things as much and perhaps even more 
than our physical consciousness, than our normal consciousness craves physical things. But for a different reason. Our soul craves these physical things because it senses the godly um, beauty that there is within each thing. And that's what it wants. It craves a good uh, meal because it knows that in there lies a spark of godliness that it needs, that it wants to use to connect itself more to God. And any physical activity that it's going to do, the soul craves those things for the godliness which is within it. Meaning, imagine we were experiencing life from the perspective of our soul, right? All we would see is we would look around and everything we would see would have a godly purpose. And we would want something for its godly purpose. That's what our, why our soul wants things. Now, our soul triggers our body to want those things as well. But it comes out in a very different way. We want those things because they're pleasurable, they feel good, they're enticing, they're, they look good, etc. Meaning our body wants it for a different reason than the soul wants it. But everything our body wants, our soul wants as well. And the key is trying to connect the two, to merge the two, trying to align with your soul, trying to want those things, the same things that you crave, but trying to figure out why would my soul want this? Why would my soul want this? And try to want it for the same reason your soul wants it. And this is the Vart of the Baal Shem Tev. And connecting this back to the Vart of the Mishra Magana, that's really the truth. The truth is, there's two realities. There's this reality we experience, and then what's really going on behind the scenes that we need to align ourselves with and tune ourselves into. Tune into that, to the channel. What's going on on the surface, the experience that we, the reality that we normally experience, the external, which so to speak in a way is somewhat of a fake reality, is that everything is only for our body's needs, for our physical needs. What we don't realize is that our, our simple, most basic physical needs are really holy needs. They're needs of our soul, which in essence are really needs of God. God needs us to, to so to speak, um, eat a, a certain meal or do a certain physical activity or take pleasure in something, in a certain physical act, because there's something meaningful in that, something purposeful in that, something godly in that, which I'm going to get out of it to help me fulfill the mission of why I was put into this world. We don't necessarily see things that way. We have a diff- different reality. And this is the, our journey in life. Our journey in life is trying to find um, what our purpose is, trying to find how everything I come in touch with, everything, every experience, every opportunity, every person I meet, everything I encounter, is there's something godly inside of that, a purpose, that I was given that opportunity and that thing to deal with in order to fulfill some godly purpose. And my soul wants it for that reason. And my soul sees that in it. And God wants me to be in this place and with that thing and at that moment and that, etc. for that purpose. I just have to align myself with that and try to tune into that. We're all fogged up. And yeah, the the lenses are fogged. We have different lenses. Now, the, this is, I, I, w- w- the first step is, even if we, it's, very, it's a high expectation to really tell ourselves to see everything from the way our soul sees it, but just the knowledge of that, just the knowing that that's the case, just knowing that there's this reality which lies behind the reality we experience, and there's a deeper meaning and deeper drive behind everything that we do and want, is, is eye-opening. Meaning, it's telling us that I identify myself Unfortunately, by my external reality, we have to try to learn how to identify ourselves by our soul, by our inner reality. Identify our, our desires, our cravings, our um, worldly activities by the soul's experience. 
And it's not far from us. It's not something outside of us. It's not someone else's experience. It's our own soul's experience. We're not trying to live someone else's life. No, we're telling you, learn how to live your own life, but from the light and perspective of your soul. And this is the Mizitra Magad. This is what he's saying. When you get up to Davan, you ask for your needs. Well, you need to, and this is why you need a whole preparation for davening. That when you get up to daven, what you need to be able to align yourself with and sense is that all my needs that I'm asking for are my soul's needs and therefore really God's needs. And yes, I'm asking for what God wants. When I'm asking for, for to provide me with something, when I'm asking for a certain physical thing, God needs that. My soul needs that. I just don't necessarily feel and want it for the same reason why my soul and God wants it. And I need to learn how to do that. So that's why you have to know what he wants. And this is Menachemov. Menachemov is comforting the Father, us comforting God. Yes, that's really what's going on. The comfort, God is in Gullus with us. By our, he has, our soul is a piece of God. And therefore God is experiencing the, the pain, the suffering, and the troubles of being in Gullus the same way we are, together with us. And therefore God, what God is saying is, Menachem um, that he needs to be comforted. Us being comforted is no different than God being comforted. Because God's with us in our suffering. God's with us in, our, in, in the pain that we go through. And therefore, God needs to be comforted, if not more, than we do, because He's aligned with what's going on. Imagine, who suffers more in Gullahs? The body or the soul? Obviously the soul. The soul's stuck. The soul can't. So who needs, who needs to be comforted more than the soul? <laughs> we just don't realize that all the comfort that we physically need is really our soul's craving and desires that as well. And that's what we have to align ourselves with. The bottom line is that what the Zal is telling us and a way to, to prepare ourselves for Mashiach, for the, what we're going to experience when Mashiach comes, is we have to learn how to identify ourselves more often by the godly experience which we really are experiencing. We just don't realize it. Yeah. Yes. And we have to acknowledge that and try to align ourselves with that a bit more. Um, it's interesting you didn't mention anything about the Menachem of the period that we lost the Basin Mikdash, that these are the greatest events in, our, in modern history, let's call it, since the Mabu, where we've sinned so much that we've lost the connection with God, and therefore we have to comfort him because he now remembers what has happened. I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's not, it's it's this, the question was... Don't you, you comfort, up there, you comfort someone when they're doing Shiva, right? The question was... Now, this is like a Shiva thing for Hashem. Like, right now, we're going to lose the basic mitzvah in a week from now because of things. So we're going to lose Hopefully, that, we're going to have a battle. Right, but the way he remembers the sins that we've done. The simple philosophical answer to that is the way I asked the question in the beginning. That does God change with the temple of what God's beyond all that. God needs a temple. Oh, so that's, that's what we were going to have. We're going to step deeper into that. that God is with us. God is in our pain. God is in our suffering. But we have to realize that comforting us is comforting God. It's the same thing. But it's not about timing. Is not so... The fact that the basic mixtus was lost in less than a week's time has nothing to do with what you said. It's due to the general rule that we need to understand what Hashem feels, but... The word now, like what happened now? Because this is this, uh, the uh, lowest point. In yeah. the, in oh, so that's why. So, yeah, the, so there is that component. Yeah, of course. It's the lowest point. I was just bringing the God and the person aspect okay. together. Very good. Your name is also... You know?